Hi guys, welcome on another episode of Clap Bant and Rant and um, TY. Uh, apologies for last week, we could not put out an episode due to some technical issues. Uh, we, 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 it was re- we regretted dearly and uh, we missed you guys and uh, it's good to be back on this week's episode um, with all of you again. And for this week... Uh, we're going to be analyzing from um, Sunday and then down to Saturday. And, and in the Premier League, we saw a lot of fascinating games uh, for this week. Um, honorable mentions, uh, Newcastle United went on to uh, defeat Sheffield by whooping eight goals to nil. Eight different goal scorers, you know, and I'm telling you truly, it's just something really remarkable. Uh Eddie Howe, I mean, when you play so good and and then you score such a whooping amount of goals and also by eight different goal scorers, it just tells you how the the um the whole team is balanced generally and, and just not just the win, which was important, you know, for them to have bounced back. If you consider that they had just gone, you know, three games without a points prior to uh, the win against Sheffield the other weekend, uh, you know, and. That brought them to like uh, three clean sheets in a row. And then, you know, um, a big part of Newcastle last season, you know, was the fact that they were able to keep um, many clean sheets. And you see how it was integral uh, at the end of the season where they eventually qualified for the Champions League. So for them to have, you know, bounced back after those three difficult games uh, and then, you know, they're back to winning ways and they're winning with keeping clean sheets and they're winning with um, eight different goal scorers. It's just a remarkable fit there. And uh, Liverpool Liverpool won at the Anfield 3-1 against West Ham. You know, continue the flying start brings them to uh, five wins uh, in the season. And for now, it's looking like um, Liverpool might, you know, going to be uh, the main um, other horse in the title race. I mean, it might be too quick to call, but at the moment, it's looking that way. You know, Liverpool continue their flying start. When you consider how good West Ham have been in the new season, um, went on to take really big points against some really big teams earlier. You know, you could imagine coming into that game that anything was possible you know but Salah went ahead in the 16th minute with the penalty yeah and then Bowen equalized just before halftime and you know for those kind of games you would agree with me that mentally it's important for you to take uh to be in front at certain points in this game so when I'm sure Liverpool would have been expecting to, you know, go back into the half one up and then get some new technical directives and here and there. But, you know, conceding just about before um, extra time, that puts you in a different headspace, puts you in a different mood. And, you know, they even went on to score this allowed goal just before the end of the half time. So it was important to see how they were going to regroup in the second half. And it was evident, you know, that club had given some directives. It was evident at around the 60th minute where um, Darwin Nunes went up 2-1 and then at some point it looked like um, West Ham were trying to gain momentum but around the 85th minute Jota put a complete end to the demolition and they went on to win 3-1 and that win took them to to second on the chart and uh, you know really 
keeping close tabs on Manchester City. So uh, big ups to Liverpool. Uh, Chelsea continue with a disappointing start to the season. Uh, and it's just really crazy. I mean, for this game especially, you know, with the red card to Gusto, um, just about the half an hour mark, it, it was almost really impossible for them to have, you know, taken anything away from that game, to be honest. But you see they held down until about the 70th minute where um, Watkins, you know, went on to take the lead and... Uh, Chelsea eventually lost that one there and uh, that you know that just continues to be an issue for a club that has spent um, so much money uh, in the transfer window one billion pounds to be precise you you start to wonder what the issue really is I mean um, we know that they have injuries but everybody has injuries you know and somehow you just have to cope it's it's what it is. Um, the intensity of the league. Um, you're you're not the only one playing this many games. So, you know, as much as I know that um, Nkunku and a couple of um really big players that could have been fundamental for them are injured, but still, like I said, you have to make it work. I mean, especially when you've spent such an amount to build such a big squad. That should primarily be the essence of the whole thing. I mean, you should be able to have players that can come in and make a decent shift and get your points. So, you know, losing at home against Aston Villa, I mean, it's really uh, a cause for worry, I would imagine. And, you know, and Brighton, um, Brighton, you know, after the midweek, um, after the midweek loss to a Greek side Athens in Europe, uh, it was important to see how they were going to bounce back. And uh, in that game, Brighton went to go down. Yeah, just about the 25th minute when Dom- um, Dominic Solanke got the goal. Uh, it, it was looking for a moment like, you know, Brighton, you know, were still um, evidently shaking from uh, the midweek loss. But just before um, halftime, you know, they went on to equalize by an own goal and uh, the game completely flipped. Uh, the Sebi, I, am, I imagine that he must have given out some directives, you know, and it was really, really quick to uh, see how fast that those directives could work. Just about the start of the halftime, uh, Mitoma, who was on the bench earlier, came in and uh, got a goal just seconds. You know, and just goes to uh, show you, I mean, you, you see the thing with Brighton is, you know, um, early last season went the style with the form and all that. You know, I was talking with a friend and he was like, well, forget about these big teams. They're going to fall and they're going to drop. And I said, they may not because when you see a team that progressive, that progresses the way that they do, you see a team that they have constantly sold. Brighton made I was listening to Sky the other day and they were talking about these transfers and, you know, about how much clubs made and how much they've lost. And um, Brighton, as at the time of that report, Brighton were minus 300 in revenue, meaning they were talking about how much club had spent. So Brighton was minus 300, meaning they had not spent anything and they had made over 300 million. And then you see how good they still play. And then you tell me that there's no cause for concern. There is. Because they are evidently better than where, where they were last season. It's looking like they have learned from, you know, the few mistakes that they made. And they are already building on, the, on it. And, I mean, the game against Bournemouth, a lot of teams don't even recover from those kind of situations where you go um, a goal down like that against teams that play low block and all. 
So you see, but they went on to win that game by 3-1. I mean, Mitoma, I, I, I assumed that he was rested because of the game, but the coach must have seen the reason to put him back in the game. And it was really quick to see how he could effect on that game. You know, and they went on to win 3-1 and they continued with your flying start to the season. You know, and they're told at the moment only behind Manchester City and Liverpool with 15 points. And um, so big ups to them as well. Uh, the game against Tottenham, not London Stadium earlier that day. Uh, you know, I imagine that, you know, the fans, for Arsenal fans especially, they would want to take out a lot of positives. I mean, it was not a loss at all. But to be honest, they should be disappointed. Yes, because, uh, you know, this season especially, um, I, f- I feel like they are rounding up a whole new set of um, fans and well-wishers per se, you know, because now we are at the point where it's looking like Manchester City, you know, want to turn the league into a farmer's league. Yeah, I was having a chat with a friend the other day and he was saying that at the moment we are already farmer's league, but we are we are still mechanized farmers. I, I mean, I, I think we need to do everything possible to, you know, retain that mechanized farming at worst because we we don't want a situation where manchester city comes and win the league in a row back to back to back i mean uh, that's it's really crazy and so for that reason i feel like um a lot of people wanted want arsenal to do well this season um, me inclusive so you know um drawing 2-2 against tottenham even though overall is not such a negative result I don't think it was good enough, especially when you consider that, you know, the way the game went and all, um, Romero with uh, an own goal just um, in the middle of the first half. And then uh, Son going on to equalize just before the end of the first half. You know, I I, I spoke already about how it's important for you to keep uh, leads at certain points in the game, you know is really important for um, the kind of directives that the coach if you're going into the first half 1-0 you get the coach is definitely going to be giving you um, a different set of directives compared to when you're going in 1-1 or when you're even losing so that's what I'm trying to say so for them to have allowed Tottenham to get back into that game just before halftime it was very telling of their attitude and, and their abilities to keep focus and you know see games out and then coming back into the second half, Arsenal, I felt like Arsenal really started well. For a moment, it, it, it looked like it was going to be, you know, another not, not, lot, um, not London derby where they just completely annihilate um, Tottenham. But um, at some point in the game, I felt like Tottenham really settled well, you know, and, and, and also started to um, respond to uh, Arsenal's advances. I mean, uh, but uh, at the start of the second half, um, it looked like um, Arsenal were going to get another goal. Uh, and then, you know, the goal came from um, Saka's penalty. Even though, to be honest, um, especially as an Arsenal fan, it's very heartbreaking um, when you consider that uh, the penalty incident for Arsenal, you know, was the exact same scenario uh, at uh, the, the, the other time we played Tottenham. You know, and funny enough, it was the same player that was... Uh, you know, at the center of it all. And it's very heartbreaking to see that. We didn't get a penalty for that. We didn't even get a VAT check, if I remember correctly. You know, but that was the penalty in this case. And um, Saka went on to score a beautiful goal, really beautiful goal there, especially, you know, the history's had with penalties lately. Um, um, I was really um, excited to see 
what he was going to do and it was really a fantastic penalty to be honest i felt like at some point the ball was going to one point and then he swept and went to the middle whatever technique that was uh was a good one you know he went on to uh take that lead and just 90 seconds after that i feel like that is where the problem is that's the focal point of um, their whole game. You don't score a penalty in the 54th minute and go on to equal and go on to concede in the 55th minute. I mean, you know, and then from that point, it was a completely different game entirely because um, I assume that Tottenham would have felt like, no, we, at this point, we're definitely going to take something from this game. So I felt like, you know, it's a, it's a lot more positive for um, Tottenham fans, especially when you consider how good they've been this season. Um, you know, um, it felt like they hadn't played a lot of um, big teams and uh, per se, because you cannot categorically speak confidently that Manchester United rank as a top team at the moment, you know, playing wise and performance wise. So Arsenal, you know, it was important to see how Tottenham were going to keep up with Arsenal. And I felt like they put a really good shift. I mean, they would be going back home, you know, with their heads um, held high and for Arsenal to be honest it doesn't really speak well about their prospects especially when you consider that Liverpool don't seem to be um, relenting anytime soon and then you also consider um, injuries especially um, Arsenal are, are really suffering no doubt but you know like I spoke about um, injuries earlier it feels like it's um, a, a general problem and you somehow need to uh, um, find a way to make it work for yourself you know um, Arsenal currently have Timba, Pate, Martinelli, Trossard out injured you know and then just the game yesterday uh, Rice, Declan Rice went out in the 45th minute and you know that should raise some suspicion I'm not sure exactly but I, 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 I suspect that he might have been injured and then Saka too he was taken out later on in that game and there are you know rumors and just that um you know both these players might be out for um, up to five weeks and uh you know the the irony about the whole thing is i was speaking with a friend earlier and he was he's an arsenal fan i'm not going to name names but you know he was like ah, it's you know amazing that uh um rodri was going to be absent for the game you know in the next fortnight and it's just crazy how football works i mean you know just in the next hour or so you see that you are already without two crucial players i mean i can't even imagine what it would look like for us now going to play city you know without the clan rice and saka but um whatever it is we'll see how that one goes uh, but at the moment it's not looking too good for us now to be honest and, and then um you know back to what i was saying about liverpool seeming to be uh like the main contenders for this season i think it's also going to be very important for us to you know hold our horses me for me personally i want to wait for liverpool next two games because they are playing really crucial games you know they are playing two um top performing teams at the moment away and they're playing tottenham yes and then after that they'll be going to uh the amex stadium to play brighton uh, those two games there if liverpool can take points from those games and then I would be um, maybe I would I would say for a fact that they're gonna be in the race be- because um, especially if you consider that in the last couple of seasons, you know Brighton has been um, a stumbling block for Liverpool. A lot of times we've seen Liverpool drop points to Brighton, which is why I'm particularly excited for that one. Um, whatever it is, uh, in the next couple of weeks, especially after um, Arsenal play Manchester City, I- I'm sure we'll start to get the picture a lot more clearly. And so uh, you know back. 
to um, Saturday in the Premier League, there were a couple of other games as well. Uh, early kickoff saw a Crystal Palace drew near new to Fulham. Yeah, I think the point was important for both teams. Uh, it seemed like for a moment, it seemed like Luton were going to get their first win at home to Fulham. Yeah, uh, uh Wolves, I, I, I beg your pardon, it felt like um, for a moment, Luton were going to get their first win against Wolves. Rather, yes, um, Wolves went down in the first half to 10 men uh, when Bella Gardi got a red card sometime around the 39th minute and then surprisingly they still went on to score first sometime in the 50 minute yeah. and then uh luton went on to equalize by penalty and then sometime later in the game they scored a goal that was disallowed due to a check by far and uh end of the day they got um one point each it was a draw and the manchester city continued with their flying start went on to win 2-0 against Nottingham Forest. You cannot replace him you cannot and the crazy thing about this game is, um, the way the game started, it, it was evident that it was over in 20 minutes. I, I felt like, I, I actually predicted the game to go that way because the thing I've noticed about Manchester City is whenever they are playing teams that play, you know, good football, they also know how to pass around and, you know, collect passes and make runs behind the lines and all that. When they play those teams that play well, that's when you see the best of Manchester City. When they play against low block teams, you can't really see the best out of Manchester City. So I I I I was expecting that game to go that way. So when I saw how the game started, in my mind I was like, yeah, yeah. It don't happen today. But it, it was sad that, you know, just at the start of the second round, Rodri, um, they are, I, I, I'm, I'm sure at that point a lot of Manchester United fans were watching and were saying, okay, let us see, because that was the exact same thing that Casemiro was giving a record for the other day against Crystal Palace. I, I felt like, to be honest, Rodri's hand even stayed a bit longer on that guy's neck than Casemiro's umbo. At the end of the day, he was given a red card and it looked like, wow, this game might change because it was just at the start of the second half. And I assure you, the bulk of the Premier League teams, the bulk of the Premier League teams would have dropped a point, at least a point against Nottingham Forest under the same circumstance. Yes, it would have been practically impossible for... I don't even see any other... Pre- Premier League team, to be honest, that have the capacity to go a go to go a man down just at the start of the second half and manage to keep not just manage to keep all maximum three points. They did it with a clean sheet. Just goes to show the big mentality in Manchester City squad, and it's really crazy because in the last couple of years we've we've spoken about how big of a squad they have in quotes now in this season i think they are finally showing us that it's not about how big of a squad because you would agree with me that they they don't even have a big squad right now what manchester city have what i think they have is they just have a strong squad with a really strong mentality because I don't understand why. I mean, Nunes is a fantastic player. But how is he signing for City and having an impact from the get-go? First of all, you would imagine, especially coming from a week that Pep Cadwella just spoke about how... I I don't know if he was banter or or what, but he said that um, Nunes was... He needed to do um, a lot more um, work on his first touches and all that and all that and all that. And then you see that he's in the starting lineup just the other week. And not just being in the starting lineup, 
he's he was effective from the get-go went on to give that fantastic pass that produced the second goal and it's just crazy because why why are they just this good see doku came in from the french league i mean everybody brings players from the french league and they struggle for a while on the premier league why is the own case different and it's just really crazy because the team now that we have decided to rally support for arsenal eh? i know it's too quick to call but they're not giving me the vibes I, 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 you know i feel like they're not better than they were last season i mean even with the addition of the clan rise there I, I know injuries have been a problem but you have to find a way to make it work you know kai Havertz has not really been effective after his big money move and then sometimes all this transfer it just makes you to wonder if there are other things there that we don't know about there are other hidden agendas because when if you spend this kind of amount for that kind of player you should expect results and if you don't get them i mean the, the, you should we should be seeing that almost you're putting this player through some kind of there should be prizes to be paid if you don't perform at that level you know, be say you know they perform, but week in week out, you're in the starting eleven. I mean, it's just really crazy. So Manchester City, I mean, even though it's just only six games speaking, they 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 seem like they're already running away with it. Haaland doesn't seem to be stopping, and it's just scary, you know, when you consider two crucial factors. One is, I want you all to remember that Pep Guardiola only just returned from a medical break the other week he was out for like three four weeks i suppose i mean you have a team that has lost kevin de bruyne too early into their season they have incorporated julian alvarez to play a 10 and it is working amazingly well their coach went on to have a sick break normally those kind of because there are certain games that even if you have your plan from the dressing room you come into the field and those plan changes and your coach should be able to say okay guys this is this this is the situation that we have now how can we react how can we respond so you would agree with me that there is no way that you will not miss your coach on the sideline especially for that long run of games but these guys went on to take all maximum points and they don't seem like they are stopping anytime soon. Haaland is building on last season's momentum, is scoring week in, week out and they are taking points. And it's just really crazy because, uh, I mean, he might well just be turning us into what we don't want to be, which is the farmers that we've already, we've already, we've already bantered everybody, you know, about being the farmers league. I know I've spoken about what's going on in the Bundesliga, even though it's, even though it's a completely different case, Sha. Because I don't understand why Bayern Munich is winning ten league titles in a row, and 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 that was why I was particular about Hurricane not going there because he's looking like almost he just played the safest available card that was there for him. Because to be honest, even if I go and sign for Bayern Munich this season, they will still win that league title. So. I don't know, but whatever he did, well, it's best known to him. He's been scoring, but you see why I said about the league, the goals that he's been scoring, even though he's been doing fantastically well in the, the Premier League, but now it just feels like everybody expects him to just have a brace in each of those matches. That's the standard that, you know, we see on the Bundesliga at. And uh, which, uh, you know, brings us to uh, um, this segment where uh, we felt like it's important to just also throw um, light, especially on top gist and stories happening across uh, other leagues. Uh, this morning, 
I saw an article that insinuated that um, Neymar is already unhappy at uh, Al Hilal, and the funniest part of this gist is uh, I I heard that Neymar has requested for the coach to be sacked, and it's just really crazy um, because uh, you 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 imagine the kind of deals that they give these players and the kind of clauses that they have in their contracts for them to be having those kind of guts, but. It is what it is. From the moment I heard about all the benefits in uh, Neymar's contract, I know say the only thing will remain now to make him king of Saudi. But it's it's, it's really crazy. Um, you know the the, the publication insinuated that um, um, the coach was not um, happy with the uh, the performance he put on the pitch, uh, and which is which is actually a fair criticism because I've I've been following their games, and in the last two games that they've played, the other one was at the um, Asian Games. They drew, you know, and they only they only snatched that draw very late on to the game. I mean, they were already losing it to uh, some guys like that. And uh, the other game again, in their own league, they went on to um, draw another match that, you know, against a team that before in the past, they had even re- relatively just blown past. And so you, you, you would understand why the coach would feel that way, you know, especially for the, the kind of pedigree that um, a player like Neyman has. But... Sad to see that he couldn't uh, take that criticism well. Uh, talking about criticism, OC man, our own OC man himself too was a cause for, uh, you know, he did his own part too on the weekend, uh, the game against Bologna. Um, he missed the penalty late on into that game and, uh, you know, sometime the coach, the, the coach took him out and uh, he flared up, threw arms in, arms in the air and said some stuff, which was not really good if he, because he was not really himself in that game. I mean, the coach had already took out a uh, Quacha guy and and him taking you out was just evident that more. You guys are not doing well, but you know, he did some things there too and uh, we, we hopefully they can trash it out in the dressing room and, and um, it wouldn't be much of an issue. Uh, moving on to uh, stories from other leagues. Hey, Barcelona. Oh, Barcelona, don't leave us for Banta era. And uh, this is the saddest, the saddest part of my reality right now, you know, because uh, after the game the other weekend where they blew five past uh, one of those teams, uh, uh, it, it was important to see how they would, you know, react, especially um, against. Uh, it was important to see how they would react against a team uh, like Celta Vigo, who have in the past, you know, proven to be uh, quite a worthy opponent. In fact, just uh, in the last um, head-to-head prior to that game, Celta Vigo won. So I was, it was important to see how they would recover. And the game started really, really crazy. And just about 19th minute, back I went to go down. You know, and even though it seemed like, anyway, nobody was expecting them to keep a clean sheet against Vigo. They considered a gain late into second half. And at that point, it was looking like they were definitely going to lose. But it's crazy. Bro, Baka went on to score in the 81st, 85th, 89th minute and won that game 3-2. Um, now we are seeing prime Zavi ball. It's like he has gotten the players that he wanted and it is a scary team to look at on paper. Baka have a back four. Baka have a current starting back four of Jao Cancelo Kunde. Omobaka are so good that they don't even shift when they go center back. Bro, there's a Gondogan in that team for, for balance and stability. There's a Frankie Dion for tackles. 
and then you have an attacking trio of Jao Felix and Lewandowski and I feel like Jao Felix has finally gone to a club where he will cook you know it's just really funny because they say don't fall in love with the lone player but I don't imagine a scenario where Barcelona fans will not fall in love with these guys and you know it's just really crazy uh that comeback was fantastic not just because of uh you know for form and stability but also because it took them back to the top of the uh, la liga um, especially because uh, real madrid uh lost um later on uh, on sunday to um atletico madrid and it's just really crazy because you know even though these things happen and you know when uh real madrid as a real madrid fan especially when you're playing against atletico at their stadium you 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 would agree with me that you can almost expect anything you know and when you consider how well atletico have been playing under simeone this season atletico has moved on from that team that we used to always regard as a low block you know packing the bus type of football now they are playing a lot more exciting the signing of Dipe so far is proven to be a fantastic decision. They are scoring love goals. The other day they put seven pass Rayo Vallecano. So it just goes to show you how good they are this season. And you know, Real Madrid yesterday were no match for them. I mean, the crosses were just. I, I was watching the game and the crosses, the kind of goals that Let's Go Madrid were scoring. Now those kind of goals were when you you just know seeing a goal before the player actually scored the goal because the passes that were coming in i mean were just fantastic um morata was at the right place at the right time to head to past the kepa ariza balaga i don't blame him essentially the only goal i would say he, he didn't really do well in my opinion was the second one but for the first and the third you could argue that there's almost nothing anyone you know could have done about it and you know it is what it is uh yeah, and and in Italy, uh, Inter Milan continued their flying start to the season as well. Um, you know, went on to, to win uh, 0-1 against Empoli. Empoli, on the other hand, they've been a shadow of what they were the last season. This season, they have lost every single game they have played. Yes, if I'm correct. And not just that they've lost, they have not scored a single goal in five Serie A games, you know, and it was clear that um, Inter were going to win the game or it was expected rather that Inter should win the game and they did win the game by a long goal from Di Marco, Franco Di Marco and that put them up to a flying start in the uh, Italian Serie A where they are top at the moment and uh, you know, whenever I want to talk about Manchester United sometimes I have to breathe in first. I, I I have to breathe in because uh, it's whole essence why we are here. Uh, Manchester United, we, 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 we won the game against Brighton and regardless of the fact that we didn't play really well, it was important for us to take that win, you know, especially because, you know, we, we were coming from um, back-to-back losses against Bayern Munich and, and Brighton the other week. But my concern particularly for that game was for every United fan, I would imagine that, you know, after playing those tougher teams and getting those um, heartbreaking results, everybody was excited to see how we're going to play against Burnley. It's not because Burnley are not a good side. 
even though they have not won games this season you know which is a complete contrast of their i think their results is very unfair to brighton's and bonley's performance if you watch the way they play you know they are they are just coming from the back of winning the championship you know by an outstanding overall performance they play really well they've they've done fantastically well you know on that company and they are playing really exciting football and you know especially because they were at home and all that but to be honest i would be lying if i said that these are not all excuses especially when you consider that this Burnley have not managed to take any win from any of the previous matches they have played. So why are Burnley dominating a game against Manchester United? It wasn't a case of them having a 15-minute patch. Burnley, see as I call them Brighton by mistake, because I, I cannot even believe that Burnley were bowling us so bad. They controlled the game for a large part. When the game started, first of all, I was consoling myself and I was saying that, okay, okay, maybe Manchester United want to just want to allow them feel like they're in control and then, you know, hit them on the counter transition and all that. Bro, Burnley held you down. At some point, I come the fear. And my fear was that on that other wing, that colossal boy, he was constantly cooking Dalo. Omodalo got a yellow card against him in 13 minutes. So I was already scared for that side. They were playing so well. And I feel like the only reason why we might have even taken that point is all thanks to like Foster's red card just the other week before. Because the Foster I have seen since the start of this season. You know, him being available for them that day to add with everything that they were doing. It's, it's easy to imagine that we, we should have considered. To be honest, in that game, Dalok could not really keep up with the wingers that were on his wing. Lindelof was shaky. Casemiro was solid. McTominay, on the other hand, defensively, he was a mess. Defensively, he was a mess. And then towards the, the sometime around the, um, around say the half an hour mark, I think he was now sent to play a certain role that I did not even understand. It was because of his because of the role he was now playing at that point. It was looking like we were a man down. Burnley controlled that game for a large part. They had a higher XG than Manchester United in that game. The final ball position as at full time was sixty two for Burnley and thirty eight for Man United. We had just about the same shots on goal. I mean. All the stats were evident to show that we had a terrible game. And then the worrying thing is, when I'm going back to the whole reason why we brought Ten Hag, why we sent Ole, and because I remember that the problem the other season, the man you had basically was that we were winning games by stroke of luck and by individual brilliance. 
we're not really doing well as a team. We just had those cases where we'd keep clean sheets and then one player, Ronaldo, would just score one. And that was the case yesterday. You know, we won that game thanks to Bruno Fernandes' individual brilliance. But there was some positive to take from the game. Onana was solid in that game. Johnny Evans, I'm sure he was a surprise for that match because uh, ev- uh, a whole lot of fans I knew, myself inclusive, you know, when the lineup came out, I was like, my goodness, in 2023. But um, Evans went on to keep a very decent, um, you know, shift. And the thing that a lot of people don't realize, or th- a lot of people might not have noticed, was that even the goal, the, ass- the one that he assisted, Evans went on to do like, I think once or twice more of those kind of passes. And I was just amazed. And it was just amazing. You, you know, I just remember the uh, interview when he was signed and the coach was defending him. And the, the coach spoke about how, um, you know, Evans was Evans came into the club to train with the under-23s and that he heard of it. And he asked um, Fletcher, you know, to invite him to the senior team training. And then after he saw him train, he wanted to see him in the preseason, you know. And uh, he did say in that interview that... Uh, he had also considered the possibilities, you know, because of the games and that, that we're going to have a team squad at some point and it would be important to have um, this kind of players that can, you know, um, bring some support to the team. And in his defense, that was why he, uh, you know, requested that the club sign him. And if we are going to be seeing this kind of performances, I would agree that he is right because Evans did really put a decent performance, you know, that game. Went on to score a goal that was disallowed you know, because um, Rasmus was interfering with the uh, the goalkeeper's ability to, uh, you know, defend himself. And down was cancelled. And then he went on to give the assist. A fascinating flicking pass. Pinpoint accurate pass. And then, of course, he landed at the feet of our own very magnificent one, Bruno Fernandes. We really cannot replace him. And, and, and you know, at the end of the day, you, you know, we did win the game, but generally, um, if I'm going to uh, just use, you know, one word to describe our game, I think it was, you know, bang average. And it's good that we finish with all these teams that are high flying at the moment. And, you know, our next couple of games, uh, um, it's against those kind of teams that you can take points from if you play well. So now would be hoping that we can build up on this win and you know start to get results. Rashford at the moment is giving me some you know some vibes that I don't really like. Uh, he's been strolling a lot in games and to be honest this is not joining the bandwagon of people that want just to ban time is the truth. Is a reality because we watch these games, we watch these games as closely as possible so we can give correct analysis. And I assure you that Rashford has been strolling a lot. He made Rasmus, you know, Rasmus, in my opinion, was in that game, he, he was non existent. The, the few times that you know he had the ball, it looked like he was not fit and all that. I mean, when a, when a center forward does not get, you know chances and crosses and passes from his wing is worrying and even though we don't want to make you don't we know we we don't want Rashford to lose the confidence the little confidence that he's trying to be at the moment but we must call out um situation for what it is Rashford still has that problem where he passes when he should shoot and he shoots when he should pass 
and I feel like that's a part of his game that he could, you know, build upon. But generally, um, it was good that we won. And and uh, in the next couple of games, uh, it, it, it would be important to see how we can bounce. Um, we have really tricky games, to be honest. They are not the kind of teams that you just expect that you run over. But the good thing is that we are playing them at the Old Trafford. So, to be honest, I don't expect anything other than wins against Crystal Palace and Brentford. Yes. And then the good thing is, after those two games, we will be going to play um, away to Sheffield that already have a depleted confidence. So, hopefully, if we can take, you know, nine points, if we can take nine points from these games, which is what I expect, then we can start to dream again. Then we can still feel like, yes, there's a chance. But at the moment, uh, it's looking like, you know, uh, it's going to take a lot of um, determination for us to secure a top, a top four spot this season. Yes, it's, it's not what we want to hear, but it's the truth. Especially when you consider that Manchester City, Liverpool and Arsenal seem to have already cemented their own position. So the only one space remaining now are be two. You know, there are several clubs that are equally doing well, that have a chance there. So it's important for us to take maximum points for as much as we can, especially in these next three games. And if we can do that, then I imagine that we could get our season back on track. Uh, for this week, there are uh, a couple of other exciting games all around the world that would be um, would be uh, following up and trying to give you um, all the Jesus happening. Uh, some of the games, some of the big games that we have for this week, uh, Liverpool will play Leicester City. Um, New- Newcastle United have a game there against Manchester City. It's always very exciting when they play. Uh, Man United would be hosting Crystal Palace. Um, last season we dropped crucial points against them. It's uh, it's important uh, to see how you know we would uh, respond, especially because they've been doing fantastically well. Um, it seems like they found their um, goal scoring form and uh, they've been taking points. Uh, there's another crucial game there. Um, Brentford would hold would host Arsenal, and and it's particularly important to see if um, David Raya will start in that one. Uh, um, Inter would play Sassuolo as well you know who seem to just um, bounce back from series of losses and, and they're starting to win games now so it, it would be important to see how uh, inter milan can uh, bounce back from that one and uh yeah that's what it is and uh you know it's also a culture and um for, um, for us to uh, give a shout out to top and performing members of our um, fantasy group. Uh, if you're a first-time listener, we do have a fantasy group. It's called uh, La Familia, where we play for fun and banter. We have a head-to-head league as well. And uh, we try to uh, give shout-out, you know, the top performing members as a means to encourage them. And for this week, uh, our top performing member is uh, Yadif Basquiat. Yeah, that's the name of the manager, Yadif Basquiat. And he owns the Action Boys. And this week, they had a whooping 81 points. This week was, you know, quite a fascinating week for fantasy players because um, the bulk of their usual performers did perform. You know, we had Mitoma, Salah, Saka. A lot of players, you know, came in and got um, double points. And uh, for this week, yes, our top performer is Yadiv Basquiat with a whooping 81 points. And, you know, that brings him to, uh, that that took him to uh, number one. He's the top current leader for uh, 
total and also for the week. So big ups to you, Demar, bro. Uh, he's been a really incredible player. Last season, he won the league as well and only lost the head-to-head, you know, by a lean mean point. So it just goes to show the kind of quality. I mean, he's been doing incredibly well. I wish you well, bro. As always, I hope that you finish second behind me. Um, but uh, that's what it is. Kudos to you. And... Uh, um, you know, all of the topics and all of the gist that we bring to you uh, is, uh, you know, courtesy of our, our, our producers. We we want to give a um, special shout out to them. It's not really easy, especially with the challenges that we had last week. Uh, we apologize and we regret that we couldn't bring you an episode. We did everything we could, but we just, you know, couldn't get that one right there. We're doing everything to make sure that, you know. It doesn't happen again. So we just want to give a shout out to our producers everywhere. Free Smoke Radio. Thank you for all that you continue to do. And thank you guys for always hanging with us. Keep listening.